0: Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences.
1: Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy inspires leaders to grow their companies from startup to 40 million and beyond by designing World class strategic plans that actually get done. And that's what we focus on with our organizations on a regular basis. Go to 40strategy.com to learn more. Like to thank you. We always like to do a shout out to somebody on the podcast. Like to thank author Mike McAllowitz. He's an entrepreneur, author, and co founder of Profit First. And of course, he introduced us to Ron Saharian. Ron is, uh, amazing individual that we're going to have a really fun conversation today. He's one of the co-founders of Profit First. And since founding it in 2014 at Mike's house and in the basement of Mike's house, he has implemented and certified and taught Profit First to hundreds of accounting, bookkeeping, and coaching organizations. They have firms now throughout the globe. Ron is an expert in sales processes and systems, hiring, scaling, and operations. You may also know him as Obi Ron. So he is also a person, profit first professional for his business acumen. He's an avid sports memorabilia collector and he loves Porsches, which maybe we'll throw up a picture of his car, which I am in love with. He's an avid sports and he's also married. He has a daughter and he lives in New Jersey. Ron, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, audience, for having me here. Now this is I've been so excited. We we I think talked actually a couple months ago, and, mm-hmm. and summer's been busy. We finally have the chance to record this. And and Ron, let's let's kick it off with, you know I, I know of course no project. I literally have the book right behind me, Profit First, that's sitting here. Right. Tell our audience a little bit more about what is Profit First. Sure, Profit First. Is
0: a cash flow methodology, a system, if you will. Most business owners understand the need for system marketing systems, hiring systems, but very few understand the need for a cash flow system. And that's what Profit First does it ensures the business owner is paying themselves first, if not more, creates a war chest to cash for Uncle Sam, regardless of what the liabilities are. Three, has a focus on profit. With that profit, the end user, the business owner, can pay down their debt if they have it. They can celebrate the health of the company or they can hire. And so by having this system, which actually resides in between financials, which are historical documents, and forecasting, which are hopes and dreams, profit first is the system that is in between that.
1: I you you've said that a few times, Ron. That was so succinct. I love it. It was it was perfect in describing it, but there's more to this. So one one of the you probably have the numbers and I didn't we didn't ask you to have the spot, but the reality is most entrepreneurs are are, are paycheck to paycheck. They are gonna go out of business, right? If they don't get that next deal. Help us to understand that focus difference of why focusing on the profit is so important versus waiting to the, it goes in the bottom line and they don't have any money to actually provide. Yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. So statistically speaking, business owners are failing. Startups are failing. They're not making it to year five. They're not making it to year 10, let alone a generational turnover. But here's the thing, Carl. Entrepreneurs are smart they build things, they invent things, they hire, they market, people give them money. Then why are there so few successes? I'll tell you why. Because it's the system. It's the system. So we're all familiar with sales minus expenses equal profit. Sell, 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 manage your expenses, and whatever is your leftover is the profit. Leftover, right? Leftover is the profit. So while structurally correct, what we're doing is saying from a behavioral standpoint, what comes first is important. What comes last is an afterthought. But here's the thing. Profit, with profit, you can hire. With profit, you can be charitable. With profit, you can have a vault. So profit isn't bad. People with a lot of money, human beings might be bad. So what Profit First and Mike came up with is flipping the equation, one that works with the natural tendencies of human beings to work with our behaviors. So what we're simply doing is cross that other formula, out, throw it out, tell your accounting professor that they, they screwed you. Okay. So the real, the real formula, sales minus profit equal expenses. Sell, 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 take your profit, manage the business on everything else. But now, Before we get into that, that P, that capital P, that's not just representative of profit. That's representative of the business owner paying themselves, owner's pay. That's representative of knowing you're going to have a profit, you're going to pay taxes, right? Then how about a vault, three to six months of core capital? Then how about a purpose? These are all important things for a healthy company. Let's take care of them first and manage the business on what's left over.
1: It's amazing how many, actually there's incredible organizations that are selling, they're crushing it externally Yeah. and, and the owner's making less than they would make at, at a fast food restaurant. Right. Yep. Like, like their hourly wage is like less. And, and then one of the things I loved from the book was that classic, this is such a classic thing with with owners. Oh, I'm going to spend this money at the end of the year for next year. No right? So so they, they, they're, they're constantly, oh, I'm doing this to save on taxes, right? So they're breaking them again. But what they avoided is they're not even paying themselves through this process. Yeah. they keep on thinking of their employees on a regular basis. But who's the most valuable person? The It's The owner. Founder. It's yeah. The owner.
0: yeah. Well, that's why re- top, like shooting for top line revenue is a mistake. It is a mistake. You will get there, right? Revenue is important, but what is more important is real revenue. Real revenue is the actual money that you have to run the business that is at your fingertips. That taking out materials and goods. So if you're running a $5 million construction company and 4 million of it are in goods, well, then you're not really running a $5 million company. You're running a $1 million company, maybe, but they're running it like they're running a 5 million. Yes. And so they're neglecting themselves. They're not paying themselves. They're sacrificing. They're doing all these things. And by simply saying, man, if I could just get another sale, everything will be fine. But that's the problem. So David Richter, buddy of mine, Profit First for Real Estate Investors, him and I were having a, a discussion the other day, well, actually a couple months ago, and I'll, I'll never forget it. He's, he, he, he sends me an email saying, Ron, cash isn't king like, whoa, I'm a cash guy, right? So we're having a discussion. He's like, let me tell you why cash is not king. And let me tell you that a cash flow system is king. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Mm-hmm. We all know what to do to get revenue in. Sell a product, create a product, get money in the door. But if we don't have a system to manage that money appropriately, we're going to be making the same mistakes over and over and over. So I Cash is not king. A cash flow system is king. Top re- line revenue is vanity. What you're putting in your pocket and going home with is what you're living your lifestyle off of. That's yeah. more important. And isn't it,
1: it's common, right? Entrepreneurs, they'll, they'll, when they're sharing and budding and budding of how great we are, they'll talk about the top line. They'll talk about the number of employees, but you never hear anybody say, I took home X amount, right? Yeah. You know, I, I took home a million dollars. Because in most cases they're like they're taking home, once again, less than even money. You know, they should. It, it's 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 terrible what often an entrepreneur is paying themselves on a regular basis if they're paying themselves anything at all.
0: It is it, it is a travesty on it, and you know it's it again it's not their fault. What you hit on it earlier. There's some CPAs out there that will do everything they, they can to minimize taxes to the point of slowing the company. Yeah. Right, I mean, there's. Why do you need a tax break to spend money if you don't need that object that you're going to be purchasing? You know, so for an example, you know, you, maybe your CPA says, "Hey, I can reduce your taxes by X. Why don't you go out and buy a fifty thousand dollar truck?" <laughs> Sounds great. Who doesn't want a new truck, right? But here's the thing: Do you really need a new truck? And are you really saying, "I'd rather pay"? Here's the Jersey in me. I'd rather pay that vig, that tax on that fifty thousand take the rest of it, analyze a marketing effort that had great success and double down on that.
1: Right, right. Yep, yep, yeah. Yeah, That. You know, what is also interesting to me, you said something really important earlier. Business owners are typically amazing risk takers that they got to where they are, right? They have a business. Like they figure out a way, once again, for people without working for somebody else, they found out a way to create a product or service that people are willing to buy. And they actually, I, my experience being as a CFO over the years, their understanding of what's in the cash in the bank account is extraordinary. Like like they know, I was a CFO, they would know down to the penny it felt like how bank much cash accounting. they had in the bank. Yes, because that was their accounting, right? But the problem was because they looked at it that way, that was their sense of security. That was their sense of of how much we can to spend, but it wasn't a sense of there, once again, there wasn't any system. What, what is the insights when, when somebody has gone through this? What is the most common thing that an entrepreneur who goes to the profit first system, what's their big wow Okay. Yeah. After, after they've successfully completed it and they're, and they're running on it? So
0: there's a couple of things. The beauty of profit first, the implementation is it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're 20K in the rears, it doesn't matter if you've never paid yourself, it doesn't matter if you've never been profitable, but you can start. And starting with a certified profit first professional like Coral means you're going to get a plan. When you deliver that plan, the first thing that the entrepreneur experiences is relief. Relief that they have a plan. The next thing that happens as they're implementing it, as they're taking control of their cash flow, literally taking control by allocating money appropriately, they become empowered. They're empowered. You know, this is often the first time that many business owners have clarity and are in control of their cash flow because they have a plan and somebody's holding them accountable and guiding them through it. Now, if I have a plan, I'm empowered. Now, guess what? I'm focused. I'm focused on growing my business because I know I have a system that once I do that sale, it's going to ensure that I'm getting a piece for myself, ensure that a piece is going to profit, ensure a piece is going to Uncle Sam, ensure a piece is going to vault. And then I'm just running the business on everything else. It's a false sense of security when you have all of your money sitting alone in one envelope, right? It's like, you know, in the book, they talk about, thanksgiving dinner well thanksgiving dinner at my house we have a lot of different plates we have different glasses we have different serving stuff also i can't even keep track of it all right we don't just have one big plate where we all just gorge ourselves that's what what happens when you have a singular bank account all the money goes into that bank account and that's where you're making what we call bank balance accounting. You wake up every day, you look at your bank account, sometimes daily, sometimes weekly, definitely monthly. Some people do it a couple times a day and they make a decision. Do I buy this? Do I pay somebody? What do I'm, am I doing? What they're not realizing is that all that money in that one serving tray, that one bank account isn't all theirs. There might be sales tax that needs to be taken out of it. There certainly should be profit, certainly should be owner's pay, certainly should be tax. So what's happening is they might have a paper profit at the end of a quarter, but they have no money in the bank because they spent it. They're spending money that should be allocated to other important factors. And they're not aware of this because no one's told them that they have to be doing this stuff. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Oh, for me, yes. And, and, but, <laughs> but I think it's going to make sense. the old concept of, of i I was actually taught this. I think it was actually a Dave Ramsey thing, right? Yeah, pay and, yourself you know, first. Yeah, yeah, pay yourself first. and and then also the envelopes. So, you know, so this was actually something we taught our kids we we would have them literally would have three envelopes. It's like, okay, when you get when you get an allowance or you get work at something, you put a certain amount of money into your, your main account, you put a certain amount of money into giving towards others, and then you have your savings. Right. And, and so it was this, and then we had the, this was kind of a fun thing. We had the bank of dad and the (laughs) bank of dad paid this really high interest rate if they saved their money, you know? And so we created like incentive to help go towards that. And, but, but it was, this is using the same concept in the business side, it and is. and 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 the the difference in the envelopes are actually real accounts that you're properly paying and dispersing from. What's interesting is many years ago this used to be more common, and then when all yeah. of a sudden interest rates went down to zero, people stopped kind of doing this a little bit because there was like no incentive to have different accounts. I'm just saying, practically speaking, from a, from a trust right. banking system, you know, we used to do different disbursement accounts. It was a common thing to do to, once again, manage cash flows. Well, that, that discipline has kind of gone away. And I would say in the finance accounting.
0: Oh, structures. I, don't get me going. Don't get me. Remember, <laughs> you know, holiday savings accounts. Yes. Right? This yes. is the same thing. I yes. grew up the same way. Pay yourself first. The yeah. envelopes that we had were one, we had food. Two, we had clothing, rent and church. Right. Mm-hmm. And so whenever my mother got some money, she put, say she got a dollar, she put a quarter in each one of those envelopes. Mm-hmm. Then when she went to the food store, she didn't bring all those envelopes. She just brought the one envelope, the food envelope. And here's the thing. This is the beauty of this system. What we're doing, what we're, my mom was doing is going to the food store with restrictions, constraints on the amount of money that she could have. Okay. So maybe we didn't get filet. Maybe we didn't get some Maybe we got generic stuff. But what she did was made that money last. Now, Mm -hmm. the flip side of that is if my mom went in there with one envelope and had all the money in there, she might say, you know what? The kids were working hard. You know, let's get some ice cream. But, you know, big run. He's had a hard week at work. Let's get a filet. Next minute, you know, they're outside of that spending threshold that was originally allocated. And that's where a problem arises when people are over allocating and spending money, because when resources are flush, it's easy to make decisions and buy stuff. But what we really want to do is operate the business under constraints. And if you will, I'd like to, it's called Parkinson's law. Northcote Parkinson is a theorist who explained all of this, that we humans are going to exhaust all resources. In any given amount of time, Stephen Hawkins also echoed it, and every single one of our listeners are doing this almost every single day. And the example of it is a tube of toothpaste, right, Carl? You get up every morning, you got a brand new tube of toothpaste. You lay some uh, some tube on there, some toothpaste on there. You brush your teeth. Some falls off, no biggie. You squirt some more on there. But as that month goes on, right? We start cranking it over the corner. We're squeegeeing it. We're rolling it. We're rolling it. We're working hard. We're pushing so hard. Just that little amount, we call it a turtle head, pops on out, you just get it. And it's amazing how fresh I can make my mouth with just that little bit, right? They even invented tools, squeegee, the squeegees. And also you can cut them. That's innovative. That's doing more than less you know, imagine operating your business that way. Wow. That's inventive, creative.
1: Why I'm really cracking up laughing is so my, my wife and I are, she loves to do that. She loves to wait to make, get the very last piece of toothpaste. And I'm one of these, like, let's, let's get the new bottle out. And so it's like, she's waiting for me to start complaining, but what was really funny is I re- I was in uh, traveling in Dallas over the past week for work for a client. And I ran into that and I had the tone. Like, oh my gosh, I've got to that point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll tell you what, you cut it, cut it. And you're going to get a couple more days out of it. I mean, it's, it, this is just habit that I still do that. It's a habit. Yeah. You know, I want to, I want to make sure I'm getting the most out of everything.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and what's the, the true value once again, is the ROI you're getting that people are missing is that they, yeah. instead of getting a, a 2X ROI or 3X ROI, they can get a 10X ROI and things, right?
0: Don't get me going. I mean, a lot of the listeners, if they're looking at their business as their retirement, well, they're in for a, mm. a, a rude awakening because a lot of the businesses are not as profitable, not as valued as ones that are. Generally, it takes three to five years to get a company in a, the right position to get a higher valuation, and so what are people buying? Profits, processes, systems, right? If you don't, if you're not showing predictable cash flow, profits, processes, your business is not going to get the multiple that you want. And you're not going to get the retirement money that you thought you were going to have.
1: No, you you nail when when I work with organizations on that valuation process and and once again, the same situation, they're not paying themselves. I have to explain to them, you understand the buyer is going to put that money back in, even though you haven't been paying yourself that for the past 10 years. They're going to put in a reasonable salary and they're going to reduce that from the the discounted cash flows to figure out what the value is. And they're like, oh, you know, this big light goes on. It's like, no, you, you weren't helping anything out by not paying yourself because it's now discounted. And the really shame part is, rarely does an organization get more than two to three times their current year salary so it's like why are you selling in the first place why are you not creating an engine a process that can work without you as a shareholder
0: oh, that you now you're talking my language let's let's create this business with systems and processes so that we don't want to sell it right? My, my best friend, Joe, you know, he, he he runs a successful business and about three to 5 million, get give or take what's going on in the economy, but he's never been profitable. He's doing everything in his power to not pay taxes, which I get, well, you know what Joe tried to sell his business and he didn't, couldn't get anything for it, but he hated it. He hated his business. He was miserable about it. Even though he was making good cash, it was just not a well run organization a couple of years after implementing profit first and he did it the best he could he wasn't following the rules in the book outlined exactly in the book but he could rely on me where i know how to go off script and you know how to go off script and really you know design it and architect for a particular business right we just got back from vacation this is 5 years later he's loving his business He works maybe two, three days a week. He's got it systematized. He's got profit. He's paying himself. And he's looking at it as an annuity. It's amazing how fast that can happen. But you have to be willing to change. You have to understand. You have to be able to bend your mind just a little bit to this concept.
1: And what is the challenge with it is, is, you know, the the bean counter is like, like us, so to speak, have been doing this for eons, right? I mean, this is this is so ingrained and cultured in in traditional accounting, and 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 so we get. And then you have the tax accountants, right? As you mentioned, at the same time trying to get you to make decisions that aren't in the best interest for the long term cash flows. Right. Well, the beauty is
0: this is not accounting and it's not bookkeeping. Right. That's right. And so the the accountants and bookkeepers that may hem and haw over the methodology don't have the clarity on how to operate it. And they're making, you know, assumptions. But also, you know, there's a lot of ego involved Mm -hmm. in the profession. Right. Mike and I are not accountants. We're not CFOs. And here's two guys in a basement, you know, creating a cash flow system right and and so you know there's a little of that that goes on but this is a tool that not only can that the business owner like you can help your customers this is a, a tool where you can attract the type of customers that you want to work
1: with mm-hmm. right
0: mm-hmm. you know so but it all starts with paying yourself first <laughs> otherwise you know what are you doing
1: that's right all right so at profit first mm-hmm. hey, once again you, you so this has been a successful. It's 2014, right? Is that what this was? Yeah, about? we went
0: live 2014. The basement of his house. You know, we we call wow. them the early adopters. Those were the first eight that signed up to where we are till today. Where you know we anchored the company, our global headquarters in the town Mike and I grew up in. And Bo- we have over probably close to 600 globally certified firms, over 700,000 implementations of Profit First, everything from startups to $100 million companies. We've opened up Profit First Netherlands, Germany, Australia, New Zealand. And we probably have a Profit First certified firm in UK, but also in almost every country. And the beauty is even our guy in Angola, Africa, Gigi, hey, Gigi, I don't know if you're listening, but it doesn't matter where you are what your industry is, what your currency is, what your banking regulations are—it's the understanding that you all need this system.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's and and it, what a what a great example of success is six hundred first, but more importantly, seven hundred thousand implementations. Right, who people adopted it. It wouldn't have lasted if it wasn't working. You know, no, and here, here
0: here's the thing: I'm I'm living proof. When Mike and I started this, we started with the percentages in the book. In the book, startup, here you go. Great. Ron's the sales guy. Boom. Just did our first deal. Here's our allocations. Second, here's our allocations. We're doing it. We're doing it. And at the end of the month, guess what? I didn't have to worry about how much I was going to be paid or how I was going to pay it. I knew that I was going to be paid that percentage of whatever I sold. I didn't know if we were going to be profitable. I knew we were going to be. And I knew that my quarter was going to have this amount. I knew that we were going to be profitable, but how am I going to pay my taxes? Here you go. So all I had to do is worry about creating and servicing customers, making sure we had a product that was going to help them be successful. Now, here we are in 2022. Every single quarter since we started, we have been providing profit distributions to the staff as well as to Mike and I all through the pandemic. Talk about retention,
1: right? Right, right. Now, I, I, now let's well, just do the sake of time, let's be relatively short on this part, but, uh-huh. <clears throat> excuse me, but I want to, you, you had a very interesting business background prior to going into this. Share a little bit about how you got to here.
0: Yeah. So, you know, growing up, I was a welder. And then, you know, in in college, after college, I decided to become an investigator, an investigator for the Public Defender Service of Washington, D.C., investigating uh, felony ones, murder, rapes, arsons. That was quite unique. I learned a lot. I loved it, but it wasn't my cup of tea. Then I got into professional staffing, IT staffing. And I really enjoyed it there. And so I I ended up growing a few staffing companies, turning them into niche specializations, whether it's pharmaceutical or financial, whether it's media and entertainment. And then got a company to the all-time high in revenue and consultants on the street, told we were done scaling. And I reached out and I said, I'm not the kind of guy that doesn't like to stop scaling. And Mike's a buddy of mine. We grew up together. We played on the same lacrosse team, ate at the same lunch tables, all sorts of great stuff. And he said, hey, Ron, I'd like you to read my manuscript, Profit First. I'm like, all right, sure. I've read all those other ones. He's asked me to help him on other things. I read it. And I was like, wow, this is great. So over a bottle of wine with our families, and we decided to do it. And I've never looked back.
1: Hmm. So, was it, w- w- Mike, we have a whole pod- podcast on him, but the reason why he got to this was he had a tremendous amount of hardship, which enlightened him to get to ultimately thinking about profit first. Right? It, it was where he had thought he had already succeeded and figured it out, and then he actually had quite a bit of business failures that had taken place. And you were kind of you were alongside, kind of with him and seeing and observing, right? This to yeah. um, got together with it. So. I'm kind of curious in that synergy, that kind of sweet spot period of time. How was that kind of revelation of like, oh, my gosh, I think we've got this figured out.
0: So when, you know, being friends first is something that and having the same core values is always important, especially with the partnerships and our decision making processes, what's in the best business of the business, right? What's the best decision for it so once you get that that set aside but as friends seeing mike becoming author from toilet paper entrepreneur to you know starting olmec to you know getting acquired to starting another one getting acquired and going and then seeing how he was (laughs) being a jerk if you will we were still friends and stuff i remember you know him picking me up in his viper and stuff like that and it was great you know a car guy He, he wasn't fiscally managing his money And, you know, I saw him go like that. I saw him make the mistakes. And then I didn't realize how bad it was because he didn't, you know, come out with the book, you know, until a couple of years later. But I then I saw him rebounding. I saw him building. I saw him, you know, not going bankrupt. I saw him talking and doing things. And I'm like, wow, this is the Phoenix effect. And Mm -hmm. so I never had the financial troubles that Mike had. I had other issues being dyslexic, having that chip on my shoulder, being told, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. You know, so while Mike's struggles were more financial, mine were more from a business side of things and Mm -hmm. having a, a chip on my shoulder and wanting to prove, literally prove others that, hey, listen. You know, you're making a wrong judgment. I think that's where the yin and yang of Mike and I really came together because I am a true operator. I'm the integrator. Mike is a visionary, a true visionary. It's almost like reading that book, Rocket Fuel by Dino Wickman. I mean, it really is great. But that's how we've been able to continue to grow, you know, profit first professionals. But more importantly, the reason why it's so successful is because we believe in the fusion of life and work. You know, we're a family first company, you know, we, we, we really make sure that our employees have the best technology, the best education, the best support, you know, and family comes first. I never want any employee to miss anything that their
1: kids are doing. Mm -hmm. Right. I love that. I, I, so, which leads us, of course, and we kind of skipped over the business measure success, but maybe we can ask them kind of back to back. Sure. How do you measure success at profit first?
0: So there's a couple of components that we look at. If we're we're talking KPIs, then a couple of the important KPIs are members, right? Then there's attrition and retention, Mm. right? So, So how we measure that is, Exactly that we have our KPIs, we don't want membership to fall. we're going to have always have attrition, but it's not about, hey, let's shoot for this revenue, this revenue, this revenue. We know that if we hit these micro ones that our revenue will be up there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's also employee not employee member engagement, you know are, are, are two things. Retention, 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 making sure that we're providing more joy for our members, more purpose for our members, right? Then two, really, and we could use some help with this. I mean, we, there's a lot of folks out there that don't understand that being a certified profit first firm isn't all about just profit first, right? It's, a, it's such a transformation. So, you know, we're still working on figuring out how we're going to really nail that message. But that's what it is. It's, it's, it, one, is this going to help a member? to how do we attract members?
1: Yeah, yeah, love it. Okay, so let's let's flip on to the, the and you talked a little bit about the personal side right there when you are just talking about your experience with Mike and how how the family first, you know, family comes first. I love that. But you have a lot going on. You know, you have a lot of fantastic, incredible growth, right, that you've experienced and seen over the years. What habits have you developed over the years to keep yourself Focused, so you can provide the greatest amount of energy work that you can do.
0: Yeah, a, cu- a couple of things. One, it started back in in high school and college, where you know I was I was told, no, you can't do this, no, you can't be in that class. Well, I always wanted to prove that I could be by doing my work prior to having fun.
1: Mm.
0: Okay, same thing in college. You know, so before I went out with the boys, you know, I want I finished my work. Now, that's a little bit of a scheduling thing. But what really makes the most difference in my life and what I teach kids, whether it's speaking at high school, college, or even in a, you know, in a professional setting, simple. Do what you say you're going to do by when you say you're going to do it and do it 3% better than expectations. If you do that as a leader in your organization, people will see that. They'll rise to it. You do that as a husband, a wife, for your kids, for your family. They're going to appreciate that. You do what you say you're going to do. You're going to get shit done. You're going to be a rock star. And if you do it just a little bit better, just a little bit better than expectations, right? That's, that's the key. So if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I have three things to do for you, right? When we get off this call, I've written them down. And I'm going to do it by the end of the day. I just declared it. Boom! Now, do I want to be that leader or that contact that doesn't send you these three things? No, because why? Your trust in me is just going to go down. But if I do it better and make it friendlier and happier and do a little bit more, you're going to be like, "Man, that was awesome, Ron. Thanks."
1: I love that. I, I you know, because that, that two things you're, you're describing what many people would call integrity, right? is, is being consistent saying, doing what you're saying, what you're going to do on a consistent basis, but it's also about building trust. You know, why integrity is so valuable is because the trust it creates when you're consistently delivering and oh, slightly over-delivering. I love how you said that, you know, it's just slightly over-delivering what people's expectations are for you. And yeah. I think it's great. I love that. I love that, that insight.
0: Yeah, well, look at it, look at your, and I say this to my employees, I say it every day, you know, and if I can't, if you, If you're not doing the little things, right, the things that aren't necessarily as important as some of the things you want to do, how can I trust you to do the big things when you're saying you're going to do this and you haven't even done the little thing? Cross your T's, dot the I's, right? If you do that on the small picture, the big picture will always be clear.
1: Love it. Okay, Uh, I always like to ask our guests, what's a book that you'd recommend for our audience?
0: Extreme Ownership by Jocko Wilnick and Leif Babin.
1: You got that?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is
1: a yes, right here. Extreme ownership. Love it.
0: We give that to every employee starting. Hmm. And of course, Profit First. But here's the thing I've got five copies of Profit First for your audience, Carl. The first five that reach out to you and say, Hey, I'd love a copy of that book, Profit First. Email Carl your name, your address. He'll send it over to me and I'll gladly gift you a copy.
1: That is very, very kind of you. And, so just to, so we we'll, Make sure we follow up with that. It's Carl J. Cox at 40strategy.com. Send me an email with, hey, Ron said he'd get us profits first, and we'll make sure that, that that gets taken care of. So thank you so much for offering that. That's very, very kind of you. And and last, let's see here. We've got our book. we got our part. Ron, this has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Measure Success Podcast. And I look forward to our continued discussions as we have, as we continue to support each other in our respective growth. And I just love, I love the passion that you and Mike have of the business you've created.
0: Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And hopefully, you know, we'll see each other sooner than later.
1: Absolutely. And to everyone else who's listening, we just wish you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to
0: subscribe now to get future episodes.